And then I have a secret for you. We're all parenting beyond our capacity, right? So, so good morning, all of you. Thank you for joining us online. I know the, the Burkitts had a, um, a COVID diagnosis at their house. And so um, that's why the, the Burkitt family is not here. But I trust that they are, are watching online. As well as anyone else that's watching, welcome. Good morning. Um, Kurt Davis had a birthday this week. Happy belated birthday, Kurt. It's uh, uh, wonderful. Birthdays are fun. What's that? You said it happens every year. Oh, I know. Yeah, it does. It does happen every year. I think I'm going to give up birthdays this year. I'm not sure yet. So, But uh, um, but this week we're going to be in week three of our uh, sermon series. I mean, you know, I, I also want to say a quick thank you before I get started to um, David and Melanie King, who um, came in this morning and Melanie took over pro presenter and in five minutes could do it better than I've been able to do it for months and months and months. And so she was um, she was taking care of everything this morning and I stand there like, well, I'm not really sure I know what I'm going to do now at this point. But uh, uh, here we go. I'm going to pull my tablet up and say, there we go. Ah, look at that. So we are on week three of our series entitled Sidekicks. And, and each week what we've been doing is we've been looking at someone who supported and walked alongside one of the traditional heroes of the Bible. In our first week, it was Aaron, the big brother of Moses. Uh, he was the, his sidekick. He served as an intermediary between Moses and the uh, Israelites. Uh, he was also the public speaker and became the high priest. Last week, we looked at faithful Caleb. Caleb was a, a man of a different spirit, according to God. He was faithful to God's promises. He was faithful to his friend Joshua, who took over the leadership of the Israelites from Moses and who led them into the promised land, that land God promised of milk and honey. What we're seeing is that without the sidekick or without the secondary character, it's, it's virtually impossible for the hero, the main character, to do everything that they have been called to do. As followers of Jesus, we are the sidekicks to God's story of victory over sin and death. And this week, we're going to look at a sidekick that I've been excited about talking about. And we're going to look first at Israel's first king, Saul. We're going to look at his relationship with our hero, who is David. Most importantly, David's sidekick, Jonathan. Jonathan was Saul's own son. So let me pray for us as we get started. Father, thank you for uh, today. Thank you for beautiful worship. Thank you for your presence. As Rachel prayed your presence, I feel your presence. Lord, I pray for those who are sick, who could not be here today. Lord, for those who are watching online. Thank you for the blessing of answered prayer. Um, Shimmy's back and she's been battling sickness and so I'm, I'm thankful that, that she's healthy again and back to doing her push-ups and uh, that's important. And Lord, I thank you for the blessing of each individual person who is here today. So right now, I just ask you to speak to us. Use these possibly very familiar verses to speak to us in a new way. Open our hearts to know you. Open our hearts to understand the qualities of being a sidekick, of being somebody 
who can walk alongside the hero. For us, that hero is Jesus. And we want to walk alongside you. Lord, give us that today. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. As I said, Jonathan was the son of King Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. And um, Jonathan led um, a large part of his father's military. He was a warrior who truly followed God. And there's this amazing story in 1 Samuel 14, which is where we're going to be first today, beginning in verse 6. Jonathan leaves his father Saul. Saul is camped out with 600 soldiers. They've been trying to defeat the Philistines. And Saul is dealing with some frustration, with defeat, with all of this. And so they're, they're, they're off the 600 soldiers and Saul, and Jonathan sneaks away with his armor bearer and decides that he's going to take on the Philistine army, this garrison, alone. So we read in in 1 Samuel 14, it says, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, Then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand. And this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me. For the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that, and that first strike which Jonathan and his armor bearer made killed about 20 men within as if it were a half a furrow's length and an acre of land. This is an amazing story that of faith and of trust in God, not only on the part of Jonathan, but on this unnamed armor bearer, who I guess you would consider to be the sidekick's sidekick at this point. He agreed to this. Now, culturally, he was bound to Jonathan as the presumed next king of Israel to do whatever he was ordered to do, but to stand there and to be, be told by this man, okay, listen, we're, you and I, we're going up against that army over there. And not to say, um, maybe we should pray about that again. Is this, is this really a good idea? I mean, you and me against all of them, that garrison right there, just the two of us, seriously? So clearly, Jonathan is a great man, a man who instills trust in those who follow him 
And he is yet to even become the friend and sidekick of David. <clears throat> Meanwhile, his father, King Saul, did something really interesting. He had placed this, these 600,000 men, his troops, under an oath in 1 Samuel 14.24. He told them that basically they weren't allowed to eat anything all day. It says, And the men of Israel had been hard-pressed that day. So Saul had laid an oath on the people, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening, and I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people had tasted food. See, Saul's, Saul isn't turning to God to see whether it's, it's good to go. He and his men are, are camped out in fear. They haven't stepped out in trust. And at this point, what he's, he's taking his anger out on his men. So Jonathan wasn't there when this happened. Okay, Jonathan was off doing what these 600,000 men weren't doing when Saul had made this foolish and rash demand. And Jonathan found some honey after the battle, and he ate it. And it says his eyes became bright. And he, he was told about his father's oath. And then in 1 Samuel 14, 29 through 30, And Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright, because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found. For now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. Jonathan, Jonathan saw that his father's focus was not on the good of his men. When Saul found out that his son had eaten the honey, he demanded that he be slain for it because it went against his word. And it was only through the intervention of the rest of the army because of what Jonathan had already done that faithful, brave Jonathan was spared that day by his own father, or more importantly, by his own father's ego. Now we all probably know that David's going to come on the scene here very shortly, and uh, David will one day take the throne from Saul. But long before that, most of David's life would be classified as a life completely devoted to God. His story starts out as one of the most humble in the Bible. He's a simple shepherd who gets anointed as the future king of Israel. But then in 1 Samuel 17, we know the probably the most popular story related to David. In 1 Samuel 17, we, we see this epic story of a giant Philistine named Goliath who's calling out Saul's men. Anyone bold enough, anyone brave enough, and this young shepherd steps forward and he kills him with a stone and a sling. But what's interesting is what David is doing there and what David says to Goliath mirrors the same level of trust and faith in God that Jonathan had when he went up against the Philistine garrison. David had no way of knowing. He wasn't wearing armor, didn't have a weapon. He wasn't a warrior. He was a shepherd who had all of his faith and all of his trust in the God who anointed him as king. He knew he had a future. 
So then we come to this part of the story after that where, where David and Jonathan meet and they see, we see one of the biggest aspects of what makes Jonathan a great sidekick. The first thing is this, Jonathan humbled himself to follow God's will. As it says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and went, took David and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Have you noticed in this series so far that humility keeps coming up with these sidekicks? Everyone so far has exhibited humility. When the Israelites saw what God did through David, Saul was intimidated and he cared mostly about self-preservation. Jonathan was excited and he just wanted to get behind what God was doing. Isn't that amazing? When Jonathan took off his robe, that was physical obviously, but it was symbolic. The, the clothes that Jonathan wore made, made it so that there was no guess who he was when he was walking around. He was the son of the king. He was the firstborn son of the king. He was the one who was in line to be the next king. And he takes all of this off and he presents it to David. His armor, his weapons, his robe. This man, Jonathan, is supposed to be the next king of Israel. But his father had made some critical missteps. And in 1 Samuel 16... It says, Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. Jonathan didn't know David had already been anointed to replace his father, but he saw something in this man who he, he grew to love almost immediately. He saw something there. And I think once he found out, all the tumblers sort of fell in place that this, this guy was going to replace not only his father, but replace him on the throne. He could see that God was doing something amazing, that God was using David. That's humility. That's immense humility. Jonathan understood that it didn't matter how exactly he fit into God's story. It mattered to him that God got the spotlight, even if it happened through David. Jonathan was God-focused, like we all are called to be. So the second thing that makes Jonathan a great sidekick is that Jonathan was incredibly loyal to David. Over the next few chapters, Saul... His father tries time and time again to have David killed because David is a threat to him. 
And Jonathan shows his loyalty not to his own father, but to his friend. It says, And and Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all of his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you. And because his deeds have brought good to you for he took his life in his hand and he struck down the Philistine and the Lord worked a great salvation for all of Israel you saw it and rejoiced why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause Jonathan goes against his father and his king to try and save David he's not only willing to sacrifice his birthright as king He's willing to sacrifice his life to see God's will come to fruition. Again, Jonathan shows that that he's a man that thinks big picture, long term. Jonathan knew that what he was seeing was a, a small part of what God was doing. This bond, this this friendship that he had with David was so powerful. New York Times recently featured this article exploring our current confusion about friendship. Ask people to define friendship, even experts who research friendship, and you'll get an uncomfortable silence. Followed by er or um, friendship is difficult to describe, said Alexander Nemias, a professor of philosophy at Princeton, who in his latest book on friendship spends almost 300 pages trying to define friendship. It's easier to say what friendship is not, and foremost, it is not instrumental. It is not a means to obtain higher status, to wrangle an invitation to someone's vacation home, or simply escape your own boredom. Rather, Mr. Nemus said that friendship is more like beauty or art which is appreciated for its own sake. Ronald Sharp, a professor who teaches a course on the literature of friendship, added, It's not about what someone can do for you. It's who and what the two of you become in each other's presence. The notion of doing nothing but spending time in each other's company has, in a way, become a lost art. People are so eager to maximize efficiency of relationships that they have lost touch with what it is to be a friend. That quote, it's, it's who and what the two of you become in each other's presence. Think about that. Think about your closest friendships, who, who you become in the presence of that other person. Does the way you talk change? Does what you talk about change? Do you 
Do you have that one friend that, that months and even years could pass by and then the minute you talk to each other, you just, you just click, you pick up, people say, like it was just yesterday? Do you have those other friends where you kind of grow apart because you're in different seasons of life and, and you're not sure anymore, you know? But it's, it's who and what the two of you are when you're in each other's presence. I, I, I just, I think that's so important for us to understand how one plus one in friendship doesn't equal two anymore. It's so much more than that. How you reflect the attributes of Christ through your words and through your actions with each other. What an amazing blessing those friendships are. All relationships. Because we are relational creatures. We were designed to be relational creatures. Did not God say it is not good for man, lowercase man, human, to be alone? Jonathan's loyalty for David grew from that friendship and his loyalty to God grew from that friendship with God. The, the third thing that makes Jonathan such a great sidekick is that Jonathan showed compassion for David. Jonathan always showed compassion and mercy to David. He really cared about how he was doing. In the middle of the time that Saul was hunting David down to kill him, there was this exchange between Jonathan and David that really shows what kind of a sidekick he was. It says, while David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. And while his dad was hunting David down, Jonathan paused and helped him find strength in God. Jonathan knew that David needed encouragement. He, knowledge and wisdom are great. Don't get me wrong, I'm a fan. But when, when things get truly hard, it looks like everything is going to fall apart. We can't stand on good ideas or good intentions. But we can stand on God's promises. And God sees a much bigger picture. And when we follow His calling in our lives, He's always victorious. And if you're going to remember that fact, then as someone who has friends, someone who is a friend, you need to remember the power of encouragement that you can give to the people that God has put in your life so that they can walk in the peace and the knowledge and the truth that, that God's plan is there. Like the verse that we read for, for Evan today. That God has a plan. He's always victorious. Ultimately, Jonathan's humility, his loyalty, and his compassion for David 
formed that strong relationship with his friend. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. And therefore he recognized that David's family, not his family, were the chosen line of the kingship. In 1 Samuel 20.16, And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. Think about that. Who was David's enemy? His own father. Clearly, Jonathan and his father Saul were not on very good terms at this point. Because when Jonathan says this about his enemies, he is talking about his father. And then again, some people make it easier than others to not get along with him. Let's be honest. Saul gets angry when he realizes where Jonathan's allegiance falls. And he says this to Jonathan, beginning in 1 Samuel 20, 31. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled a spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger. He ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. Jonathan gets the nerve to stand up to his father. Guys, I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you had to stand up to your father. It's never easy. Even if you have the best of intentions, even if you come at it with the most loving heart and attitude, there is something between a father and son. And as a father, there have been times my kids have made me mad. It's confession time. But I have never taken a spear off the wall and thrown it at one of them. <laughs> Saul is so angry so angry that, that David sees the big picture of God that I, I, he just loses it it's just blind just ah, anger and tries to kill his own flesh and blood and yet what is Jonathan's reaction to that it says Jonathan was grieved for David Jonathan was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. Did you catch that? There's that compassion and that loyalty to his friend. This great sidekick goes on to serve his friend his whole life. He dies nobly in battle against the Philistines. And when David gets word, he laments. In 2 Samuel 1, he calls Jonathan his brother. And he declares that Jonathan's love for him was, and I quote, extraordinary. And eventually, King David goes on to honor uh, Mephibosheth, 
who was the son of Jonathan. John, he was, he was crippled um, during a battle, and David takes him in, treats him as his own son, and it says he does that for the sake of his friend. Jonathan not only embodies the characteristics of a great sidekick, Jonathan serves to remind us of the power of friendship, the importance of relationship, the loyalty that we have to each other as friends, as a family, as a church. This week, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take a minute, and I want you to reconnect with an old friend. God will tell you who. Maybe you make a new friend, if there isn't one that comes to mind, an old friend. But work on building strong relationships. Relationships that honor the God that we serve. Because remember, we are his sidekicks. Amen? I'm going to invite Rachel to come up and pray for us. Heavenly Father, what a beautiful day. What a beautiful day to honor Evan, to uh, be together as a family, to better understand the power that we have in the relationships that sometimes we probably just take for granted. The coworker, the guy down the hall, the next door neighbor, our barista at the coffee shop. Sadly, God, sometimes that's even our brother or our sister or somebody that we just haven't reached out to in a while. Lord, would you put it on our hearts this week? The names of those who need to be lifted up. The names of those who, who need to be reminded that they are part of this family. Whether that's here at Hope Community Church or, or the church down the road, wherever it is, God, they are part of your family, the Big C Church. Lord, would you help us to be good friends? Show us who to connect with. Show us who to reconnect with. Even the introverts, God, help them extra. But we can do this. We are called to do this. Because it's not good for us to be alone. And all God's people said, Amen. Will you stand with us? I was reminded uh, while I was standing here uh, worshiping that um, tomorrow's Memorial Day. So people are going to be having their cookouts and, and doing their things. Okay, But I want, I want to pray just a moment for those who um, were celebrating Memorial Day for the men and women, the loyalty they had for this country, to defend this country, to die for this country. So Father, we just 
we lift up the, the families of those who have lost um, people who have served in the armed forces to protect our country those who gave the ultimate sacrifice who had the ultimate act of loyalty to the service to the country to those they loved to do what they believed was best Lord we, we just ask that uh, they be honored that we don't forget them tomorrow in the shuffle to just enjoy our free time uh, because that's what it's all about God, I just pray that you just help us to remember those families and those people. We pray all this in your mighty name. Amen. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful week. Enjoy tomorrow. God bless.